Christmas is how many days away? Six. Do the math, friends. Today's the 19th. Okay, so how's everybody doing for Christmas? How many people, you're in a good place, you've got all your shopping done, you're on top of it right now. Get the hands up. A few of us, a few of us. Okay, and elbows are flying. And then how many people, how many people are, you're leaving today after the service and you're going to go shopping? Come on, beginning with the speaker this morning. Yeah, okay. All right, so how many of you, how many of you, you don't even know where you are. You're just kind of lost. You're just steamrollered by Christmas. All right, good. So I, what I want to do today is I want to invite us for about 30 minutes to kind of recalibrate ourselves for Christmas, recalibrate our hearts here. What I want to do is I want to talk about sacred Christmas. I need to first mention commercial Christmas or cultural Christmas. Then I'm going to spend the rest of our time talking about sacred Christmas and why it matters to you and three reasons why you want to believe in sacred Christmas. Three reasons why you want to believe in that. So first of all, let me say this about cultural Christmas. It's loud, isn't it, friends? It is loud. It's overwhelming. It's dominating. It's 24-7. Hundreds of millions of people are celebrating the, the, the commercial cultural Christmas. There are the parties. There are the Christmas food, Christmas cookies. Uh, there's the, the, the Santa, the reindeer, the lights, the decorations. It seems endless there. Then there's the songs of Christmas. Come on, somebody. Dashing through the snow on a one-horse open sleigh. Come on, you know it. All right, there you got it, friends. We got some lively people in the front row here. All the energy. So then we've got how many Bing Crosby fans? I'm dreaming of a... So we love this. So come on, friends. We love, we love this part of Christmas. Nothing wrong with it at all. It's awesome, too. But then what I'm going to talk about today is not actually that, though that is big, and we're very familiar with that. But I'm going to talk about sacred Christmas, because who's going to give you sacred Christmas except the church? That's why we want to invite big on Christmas Eve. So what is the message of Christmas? God came to earth in the person of Jesus, because he loves you. So what we're going to do, we're going to be reading from Matthew chapter 1, and I'm going to ask you if you're able to stand to your feet as we read Matthew chapter 1. I know we're all familiar with Joseph and Mary and the wise men, baby Jesus, but I'm going to talk more than just that. Matthew chapter 1, beginning in verse 18. I'll read the even verses, three of them. And then you read the odd verses. Just in case you don't know when to start, I'll point to you, okay? So here we go. Matthew chapter 1, verse 18. You can look on on the screens or in your Bibles or your smartphones. Matthew chapter 1, verse 18, reading through verse 23. This is how Jesus the Messiah was born. His mother Mary was engaged to be married to Joseph. But before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. And as he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, Do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit. All of this occurred to fulfill the Lord's message through the prophet. You may be seated. And Father, thank you that we're here. 
Thank you, Lord, that we can unpack the greatest story ever told, the birth and the arrival of Jesus to our planet, that God became flesh and dwelt among us. Lord, may we see the significance, the power of it for us personally and individually, that God has come to us. Pray you'd stir our hearts with this reality. May we hear the voice of God through Scripture, we ask in Jesus' name, and everyone agreed, saying, Amen. So what I want to do is I want to just read to you a little bit from Luke chapter 2 and unpack a couple points there and then circle back to the story that we just read. So here's Luke's account of the same story. Luke chapter 1, and it's on the screens here. Luke chapter 2 verse 1 says this. At that time, the Roman emperor Augustus decreed that a census should be taken throughout the Roman Empire and all returned to their own ancestral towns to register for this census. So what happened is Caesar Augustus there wanted to tax the people, so he had them go to their ancestral towns, which meant that Joseph then was going back to Bethlehem, where he, that was his hometown. But what I want us to see is this, because just like today, then, they were taxed, it was oppressive. It was a very oppressive culture into which Christmas came. It was restrictive. It was taxed. It was, uh, like today, um, like today, we're mandated. So that we, you feel this oppression in culture today. And so what happened was, was that they had to travel about 85, 90 miles to get to Bethlehem. I mean, friends, there's no Uber. There's no transportation. We're talking donkey transportation, or we're talking you walk. She's full. She's very pregnant. And imagine that journey. There's there's no Advil, there's no hydrocodone. I mean, it's just deal with the pain the whole time there. So how many of you think that this could be a little stressful, 85, 90 miles, pregnant, on a donkey, going back to Bethlehem? You know that it was here. So the first Christmas, friends, was rather stressful. It actually was brutal. It was messy there. Uh, it was a total mess. Imagine Mary, uh, you know, mile after mile, sweating, stringy hair, in pain. And so there was no, the Bible says there is no room for them in the inn. Well, why was that? Well, because they were being taxed, all the Romans had to go there. They're taking up all the places where you can stay, plus people staying with their family and friends. So they get there, and there's really like nothing but like a shed, like a shantytown shack, a lean-to for them to stay in. So the bottom line is this, is things had gotten a little bit messy, like Christmas today, friends. Don't, would you agree that Christmas time sort of intensifies how things get messy? By that, I mean emotions. Come on, somebody, emotions can get a little bit messy, can't they, at Christmas time? Like they're more intensified than normal. How about our health concerns? We're more mindful of them around Christmas time. Our family relationships? Come on, somebody. Am I the only one? Family relationships can get a little bit messy. How about an uncertain future in America? Makes things feel a little bit stressful, a little bit messy. How about the kids? Uh, we're not going to go there. How about your job? How about the jab, passport, uh, vaccine passports, mandates? It's getting a little messy in America, friends. Come on. Come on, somebody. And so the economy, our lives can get messy, and the whole thing gets intensified around Christmas just like 
then is what we're saying. So the first Christmas, friends, was a mess. Verse 5, you can look at the screens. And he, that is, Joseph took with him Mary, his fiancée, who was obviously pregnant. It says, and while they were there, the time came for the baby to be born. She gave birth to her first child, a son. She wrapped him snugly in strips of cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no lodging available for them. Again, why wasn't there any lodging available? Because the Roman officials were there to tax the people. So they were taking all the lodging. And then the other normal folk, they're, they're staying with their family and friends. So Joseph and Mary get there. There's no room anywhere. They're in Bethlehem. Now, but what we need to recognize is this. The insight into the story is this. Is that, look, this is where Joseph was from. He's got cousins here, aunts, uncles, relatives, and there was no place for him to stay. Right? He's with Mary, who's pregnant with child. Do you think there was a little tension going on there? Yeah, he's alone. He's ostracized there. He's separated. It's messy in every way imaginable here, friends. I mean, we see the nativity scenes over there. It's all copacetic, clean, and all that. It was nothing like that. It was a mess, the, the real Christmas here. It was not serene like that, not romantic like that. This is a, this is a time where... It was just inappropriate. It was dirty. It was obscure. Uh, it was really a terrible situation to have to have a, a baby. It was brutal, really. It was just brutal. And imagine how painful it was that there's no place for them to stay. None of their relatives really are letting them stay there. And so here you have the, bru- the birth. It's brutal. It's cruel. Uh, no spinal taps. Just awful situation there. And there is and there they are, and God is going to be born into a stable. No, I mean, there's just no kind of mariners, you know, uh, points stored up. There's it's kind of an Airbnb, actually, is what it is. Kind of a rustic barn. Really, I'm, I'm really I'm not trying to be cute, but but it is a fully immersive experience. Come on, you've got you've got. Uh, all the animals there, you've got sheep, you've got goats, you've got donkeys, you may even had camels, they're fully into it. I mean, today Mary's there with her Instagram showing all the animals, getting all the likes, but the, the bottom line is that it's a monstrous mess. It's a mess. And so here's my question to you. In light of that, in light of the reality of Christmas here, how are you doing? Like if the truth were to be told, is there some area of your life maybe where there's a little mess kind of creeping in? I wonder, like, what's the mess factor in our lives today? And I think the reality is this, and it's a reality for me personally, is that the, the things that come on my plate around Christmas are more really than I would want you to know. It's really more than I would want you to know. And, and, the, and the reality is, is that the brokenness behind all that is greater than I really want to admit. The messiness and the brokenness of it all. That comes to its fullest expression. The good news of Christmas is this, is that no matter how things are messed up in your life, see, God comes into that story. My, My first point is that God enters into the story, watch, of our broken, messy, sinful lives. That's what he came into then. That's what he comes into Now, so I want to draw your attention next to Luke chapter 2, verse 8, that says this. 
That night, well, what night? We'll unpack that night. There were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, nearby what? Nearby Bethlehem, guarding their flocks of sheep. And suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared to them and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them and they were terrified. And verse 11 says, and there is born to you this day a savior. So here's the account of what happens next year is there, there's this massive angel towering in the sky over these lowly shepherds where you have the highest created being imaginable. They're engaging the lowest of the low. There are the shepherds. So that night, that night where it was mundane, that night was business as usual. That boring night where they do what they always do, laying there protecting the sheep. And suddenly, out of nowhere, no announcement, that night, a night we would remember for the next 2,000 years, that night which is going to define their lives, that night which is going to define all of the history here, God announces to the shepherds, I'm coming. He's announcing I'm coming to your planet, and God is going to show up in human form. That night, there were shepherds. The greatest moment in the history of the world, the greatest announcement in the history of the world comes to who? The shepherds, friends. Now think about that. Think about that. That the presence of the Lord coming to the world now is coming down to the lowest of the low. You could not go any lower. So God shows up, and God is I mean, God, he can show up to whoever he wants to show up to. Now, God, if he had a PR agent, this would be like the last people you would ever show up to. See, you would show up to maybe Caesar Augustus. You would show up to the influencers. You would show up to the important people. You would show up to the movers and the shakers, maybe the religious elite, the Sadducees, the Pharisees, but not the shepherds. Come on, somebody. Why the shepherds? They're the last people that you would ever want to show up to. Why? They're not even allowed into the temple. They're not allowed to testify in court. They're, they're, they're so socially um, uh, out there that they don't even bathe, really. They don't take showers. I mean, they're just insignificant. They're absolute nobodies. They're, they're outcasts. They're, they're spiritually, they're despised. They're, they're the lowest in the Jewish social strata. They're, you can't go any lower. And so they're ignorant. They're uneducated. They have the most un, the lowliest profession of all. A people group that rarely showered. They had almost zero social skills. They're disrespected. They're uneducated. They're unwanted. And so God, of all the people that he could ever go to, like, what's the deal with shepherds? Why would he go to shepherds? Shepherds that aren't welcome in the gathering this morning. They're not welcome in our culture today. They're not welcome here. Okay? They're not welcome in court. They're not welcome to testify. They're, look, they're overlooked. They're forgotten. And so it's like God's going to say, you know what? I can pick anybody that I want to pick. Angels, we're taking the message to the shepherds. Nobody values them. Nobody loves them. Nobody esteems them. They're overlooked. We're going to the shepherds. Isn't that a great story, friends? Isn't that great? Yeah. that awesome? Come on. So the greatest announcement in the history of the world that has ever been made goes to the lowest of the low. What does that say about God in his birth? What does that say about how God relates to us? God is saying, you know what? The shepherds, they're going to get the full angelic treatment. 
They're going to get it all. We're not holding anything back. They're getting the works. And so they fire, they fire that up, and there's the, the angelic presence. You're just overwhelming them. The divine arrival is coming to these despised and socially inept and unwanted shepherds. And here's the point. Christmas matters not only because God shows up in our broken, messy, sinful stories, but here it is. God shows up, and God loves you no matter who you are. It screams that. The story's screaming that God shows up to the lowest low, and it doesn't matter who you are. God will engage you, all of humanity here. So this is why the Christmas story matters, because it speaks of who God is. So let's now, having looked at Luke, now let's look to the verses we just read in Matthew, continuing to unpack this amazing story. Matthew chapter 1, verse 18. And she, that is Mary, became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, friends, would you agree with me? That's about as wild as it gets. A peasant, teenage daughter says, it was a God thing, and I'm going to give birth to God. I mean, today the tabloids are just going crazy with that. And so you have a young girl claiming her pregnancy is a God thing. Verse 19. Joseph, to whom she was engaged, was a righteous man and did not want to disgrace her publicly. So he decided to break the engagement quietly. So I see this as the wild card for Joseph. Something, how many people know, something he didn't see coming. Come on, somebody. Didn't exactly see this coming here. So Joseph then is, is deciding, so he decided so Joseph is in his head here. Joseph is contemplating, processing, thinking. Uh, the original language, he's trying to come up with like a plan. Like, how do I move forward? And he's thinking to himself and saying to Mary, I'm sure, Mary, could you just be honest with me? Mary, could you just tell me what happened? Did he impose his evil will upon you? Mary, could you just, just be straight up with me? Maybe we could work through this. Tell me what really happened, Mary. Just tell me, did you just kind of lose it, lose your, your mind for a moment, or, or what really happened? She said, Joseph, I'm telling you, I'm still a virgin. What would you think? What did Joseph think? Joseph is thinking to himself. Remember, he's contemplating. He's trying to figure it out. Joseph is thinking, it's time to walk. Joseph's thinking, I'm out of here. Uh, I'm going to hit the eject button can't deal with this delirious girl that I'm engaged to. Time to run. Like the, store, like the song, uh, don't come back no more. No. Hit the road, Jack. Remember that? Hit the road, Jack. Don't come back no more. No. So he's singing that song in his head, thinking about this. And he's thinking, I got to run for my life. And so, but watch. Watch what it says when he's thinking about this delusional, high drama Deal going on. He's overwhelmed. I don't need this drama. Verse 20. And as he considered this, as he pondered this, as he processed this, as he's thinking to himself, I'm done. It's over. The relationship is over. As he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit. Mary was right. Take it to the bank, Joseph. 
It's a God thing. It's a God thing. Mary is innocent. Mary's, Mary's pure. Time out. She's not insane. Okay, wrap your mind around this, Joseph, because it's never happened before, but make sure you walk alongside of her. That's your job assignment, Joseph. Verse 21. She's going to have a son, and you're going to name him Jesus, or he will save his people from their sins. That's it. That's all. That's all you get, Joseph. Name him Jesus because he's going to save people from their sin. This is the purpose for which Jesus was born. The message is clear. God is coming and God will remove sin. God will deal with the sin issue. Friends, who will ever tell you about this? Who tells you the truth, the reality, the central core truth of Christmas, that Christmas is about a God who will take away sin? See, we don't get that in cultural Christmas. God himself is coming to our planet. God's going to deal with guilt, and God will deal with shame. And the greatest moment in the history of the world is that God is coming to take our place. Will save literally means, in the original language, to rescue from great peril. Sin is the, the Greek word harmatia, which means to miss the mark. God is coming for a people that miss the mark. It literally means they're, that they're, they're departing, they're missing the mark, and they're departing from God's way. So God is coming there to forgive the sin of the people, verse 21. And you can have a, name, have a son, name him Jesus. He'll save people from their sin. So Jesus is connected to the one promise given to them that he would save people from their sin. Now let's talk about this just for a moment. Sin suffers a tremendous image problem in our culture. But let's be straight up, because sin wrecks your life. Sin destroys your life. There's pleasure in sin for a season, like it feels good for a season, but the end thereof is what? Is death, separation from God and others there. And so why did God have to show up? Here it is. He will save people from their sin because they're sinners. The reason is, let me, let me take another cut at it. The reason is, is that we are broken people. I'm broken. I'm more broken than I, than I would want you to know. Well, that's the reality. I'm more broken than I want you to know, that I would be comfortable with you. I share things. I'm pretty open. But there's more than that that I would not want you to know because I'm so broken. We're broken people. And so there, the honest truth is this, is that I'm far more broken than I want you to know, and you are too. You're more broken than you would want the people sitting around you to know. There's more anger. There's more guilt. There's more history. And so God loved you so much, he didn't want to leave us like that. So God had to come because of our brokenness that began in the garden. And so how he healed our broken relationship with the Heavenly Father, with one another, began with God coming, going to the cross. So he came to be my Savior, Emmanuel, God with us, God who will forgive us. The tiny word sin has immense ramifications. Because think of it, friends. Think of it for a moment. Can we purge ourselves of sin? 
There's no purging. Our, can, I mean, we take our clothes to the cleaners when they get dirty. We take our car to the car wash when it gets dirty. We take a shower when we get dirty. But what about the inside? How do we wash the heart? How do we wash ourselves of the past? There's no like sin vaccine and then take all the boosters after booster to prevent sin. Like it's non-existence, friend. How do we get rid ourselves of guilt and shame and darkness and the weights that overwhelm us because of our sin? There is no answer in culture. There's no answer in the cultural Christmas. This is why we need to know the story of sacred Christmas. There's no answer for my bitterness. There's no answer for my darkness, for my anger, for my greed, for my envy. Okay, there's no answer for that. So here's the bottom line, friends. You were not designed to be a container for sin with no escape for the sin. With no, you were not designed that way. That's, that's the root of so much of, of our problems in our culture. You're not designed to be a container for sin. See, it's not something just kind of out there and external. It's in here. It's what's inside me. Here's the bottom line if we're to understand sin. Okay, if we're to understand sin, we are intrinsically and utterly broken to the core of our being. That's the reality. So Christmas is about God is coming to save us from our sin. Sin that is, it is it's so deeply rooted and so consumes us that we can't like, I can't like, you know, shake myself for, you know, people say shake it off. You can't shake off sin. There's no shaking it off here. I was thinking about this and it may be what I'm going to say now. You might think, well, that's kind of a lame illustration, but it's the best I got, okay? It's the best I got and I came up with it. It's original with me. So here's my illustration. For Christmas, can you give somebody a resentment refresher? That was, that was funny. I don't care what you think. That was funny. You just didn't get it. So like you take a swig, take a swig of the refreshment refresher. Not only does it taste good, amazing, it clears up your resentment. There's no pill, right? There's no pill you can take. What about bitterness? Is there some like bitterness, like bubble bath, and you came out, all of a sudden you're not bitter anymore. Is there some kind of like um, unforgiveness ointment? You know, you kind of put it on and, oh, thank you for this gift. I've really been struggling. Thanks for putting in my stocking stuffer because you don't know how I've been struggling with unforgiveness. This ointment is really going to clear it all up, you know, or an anger ointment or whatever. There's nothing, friends, only the blood of Jesus Christ can forgive us and cleanse us of our sin. He will save his people from their sin. It's awesome, friends. I'm telling you the truth. This is sacred Christmas. Verse 23, and I close with this. Look, a virgin will conceive a child, and she will give him uh, birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. God, think of it, friends. This is sacred Christmas. This is why you want to believe in Christmas, because God now is with us. God, okay, God emptied himself into humanity. Deity poured himself into humanity. God became flesh, dwelt among us. Okay, All that made God God was placed into Jesus Christ. God became a man, the man 
Jesus Christ. At the same time, Jesus is human and Jesus is God. Fully God there. Jesus is the physical, visible manifestation of the invisible God. It's hard sometimes to know, like, well, what is what would God do or what is God like? You look at Jesus and you have the visible manifestation of God and everything that God is like because you're looking at God. So it says, Emmanuel, okay, God most high who is with us lowly shepherds and people. God is with us when? God is with us daily. Why is God with us? To strengthen us. Come on. God is with us in your rivers of difficulty. Come on. In your rivers of adversity. In your family brokenness. God is with you. God is with you to guide you. God is with you to strengthen you. God is with you in your sickness. God is with you when you're scared. God is with you in your sorrow. God now is going to come and be with us. How is that? God is with us through his spirit. God speaks to us through his, with us through his word. God is with us, his divine presence. God now is with us. And here's all that to say this. You can anchor your lives in this immense truth that Emmanuel, God, is with you, friends. This changes everything. If, if you internalize it here, a God who is for us and a God who is with us. It's, it's just awesome. It's absolutely awesome. So simply put, God, Jesus, uh, Jesus himself, God with wrapped in skin there. The Bible says, Colossians 1.15, the new reality that God is a God who is with us. Christ, the visible image of the invisible God. So there is God, born of a teenage peasant. God became flesh. God goes through the birth canal of a peasant teenager there, emerges there, and God now, God is with us, and God is now in our planet because he loves us and he wants to be with us. And so now we see this, that God is a with us kind of God. Not a standoffish God, not a, not a zip code kind of God, not an out there kind of God there, not a don't bother me, I'm busy, can't you see I'm busy kind of God. So, no, he's not a God who stays distance there. No, he's a God who draws near to us, who steps into human history there, Emmanuel, God with us. The first proclamation given to the lowly shepherds that the God of Christmas is a God who is with us. What kind of us? King Joseph and Queen Mary or normal us? Like Norm and Norma in Normansville, okay? Well, you know what I'm talking about? Normal Rod, normal you, normal Pastor Ron, normal Pastor C. Normal us is who he's with. Not superstar us, but he comes for normal people. He comes as a normal person. Okay, there. So normal like you, normal like me, uh, that's, that's the reality there. And so, and he comes in such commonness, born in a stable, enters the world, becomes like one of us. God chooses to enter to the world cloaked in commonness, cloaked in normalcy. And this is God, friends. So this is God himself, God identifying with the common people when he comes to the planet 
another story to unpack, even the genealogy showing how he's, he's identifying with common people. So God enters into the story of normal people. And God is still a God who enters into the story of normal people. Friends, aren't you glad for that? Yes. See, and so Emmanuel, okay, you're not facing life alone. You're not by yourself, Emmanuel. God with us here. You want to believe in Christmas, and here's why Christmas matters. God enters into our broken, messy, sinful story. But not only that, God is a God who comes to shepherds, the lowest of the low. And God loves you no matter who you are. And thirdly, he's Emmanuel. In other words, Jesus came to stand with you, God with us. Jesus came to stand with you, so you never need to wonder where you stand with God. That great? That awesome? Don't overwhelm me with your response. Please just try to, try to contain yourselves. Uh, don't overwhelm me. So God is with you, God who understands our lives, our brokenness, everything about us. So friends, I'm going to pray. The band's going to come up. Oh, we're going to worship again. Father, thank you for today. Thank you that we're here. Lord, thank you that we're here. Thank you that um, you are God with us. You're infinitely more marvelous than we could even ever know. And so, Father, thank you that you're the God that cloaked in commonality through a peasant teenage um, teenager. Lord, a God who identifies with us, who enters into our story. Who, enters to, who forgives us of our sin, our brokenness that separates us from you. And Father, may the, the reality of the sacred story of Christmas um, shout and scream louder than the cultural Christmas does to us. I ask that you would do this and do more in Jesus' name. Amen.